Hello, this is Dan with the Spiritual Underground Podcast. Uh, we're sitting on location today uh, with uh, special guest Robin is going to tell her story today. Hello, Robin. Hello, Dan. And uh, it's cool because we're going to get some, uh, you know, we've had one other Sherry came on and, uh, and, and we have some, the fact of the matter is the Spiritual Underground, the group that I'm involved with is a men's group and uh, I don't want to limit it to that. So I'm going to make a concerted effort to bring... Uh, female point of view on the show and make sure we get that side of the story too because it's obviously every bit as important we want to reach out and touch as many people as we can uh, i do want to say the uh, a couple of things i forgot to say if you've been listening to the recent podcast you will hear some intro music uh, that intro music is by uh, uh, one of our fellows his name is darren frank uh, today's is the the a little bit out of a song called individual uh, if you listen to the words, most of his stuff is uh, recovery-based type of music. And uh, also on the backside of it, I'll play like a whole song. So if you want to hang around for it at the end, uh, you'll get to see, you'll get to hear some of the, the, the entire songs. Uh, also, the Spiritual Underground podcast, you can go to spiritualunderground.org, see show notes, pictures of the guests, uh, what's coming up. You can get to a contact me page there so you can see... Uh, if you want to send me an email, give me feedback, maybe line up a chance to uh, sit in this other seat and be interviewed and tell your story. Uh, or, f- frankly, if you're if you're hurting and you're looking for a solution and you need somebody to talk to, uh, if you'll hit that email address, uh, I, I am an available person. I will see it shortly. And finally, get these commercials out of the way, so to speak. Uh, 12-Step Spiritual Recovery is a book that's just come out. Christopher Cohn, um, my mentor and sponsor. Uh, just completed it. It is on Amazon. Uh, we're going to start a movement bringing 12 steps to everybody. We've been sitting around in rooms for a long time. If you heard that podcast where Christopher and I talked uh, the other day, um, we've been sitting around these rooms saying that everybody wish we could wish everybody'd work these 12 steps. Uh, it's been a little hard to get that available to everybody. So uh, that's what that book is all about. Go to Amazon 12 Step Spiritual Recovery. The author's name on there for you is. Uh, James Christopher Cone, and that is just like ice cream cone. That's C O N E. So we got all that out of the way, and um, as always, thank you, Robin, for for donating your time uh, to the Spiritual Underground podcast. I'm actually really uh, excited to hear this story, and a little apprehensive, to be honest. Uh, so, Why is that? Um, Excellent question. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Fact of the matter is, is uh, we are dating and in a serious relationship, and I have not heard your story. So I, mm-hmm. at some level, probably going to hear some things that uh, maybe I'm not completely entirely comfortable with, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want you to hold any of that back, for sure. So I won't be able to. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. So, uh, so that would, that would answer your question about why I would be a little apprehensive. Uh, but I, again, I'm, I'm excited about hearing it. Uh, I always ask my guests to start with their current sobriety date, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, then uh, wherever you want to start from there. Um, Sounds good. We will take off. Okay. Welcome to the studio, your kitchen. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Um, let's see, my uh, sobriety date is July 7th, 2017, and my home group is Age of Miracles that meets on Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock. Um, my sponsor is Jane Smith, and both my uh, my home group and especially my sponsor is um, just a really perfect sponsor for me, and that's been real important to find a person that uh, 
that I think gets me and has some of the same um, past that I have, you know, to be able to relate. Um, so why don't we start off with you asking me a question, because I just really don't want to go right into my story. Okay. Um, obviously, you've had, uh, well, maybe not, it isn't so obvious, but you've had some previous sobriety uh, before this go-around. Mm -hmm. So maybe we'll start, start someplace there. back when uh, okay. what actually brought you into the rooms in the first place, what brought you searching for recovery or mm -hmm. uh, maybe some background on uh, how recovery became a part of your life to begin with. How'd you even know? How'd I even go? know? Um, the court system kind of brought me here. Um, 1987, I was 24 years old and um, was on my fourth DUI in four or five years and Back in that time, there weren't uh, a lot of uh, mandatory jail time, but at, at the fourth or the fifth one, maybe, I'm not even sure exactly, um, I was facing a little bit of jail time, and I was told the treatment might be uh, a good way to get out of that. Um, so um, I went to treatment May 17th, 1987, and what took me there was definitely the, the court system, but... I, what you know how I really hit the wall was cocaine and, and a lot of drug use and a lot of craziness yeah um, you know at 24 years old to be arrested that many times and um, you know using the needle and the cocaine and it was just yeah absolute insanity so by the time I got to treatment um, I was uh, I was just really beat up and very sad and very confused. Um, I went to Our Lady of Peace here in Louisville, Kentucky, and it was uh, all women at that point, which was good for me because I definitely had an addiction to guys too, it would seem. <laughs> um, Poly addicted? Yes, certainly, at least. Um, so I walked into treatment and there was a bunch of girls and there was a lot of young girls at that point. Um, you know, I was 24 and, and it seemed like a lot of the girls were about the same age. Hmm. Um, and they were, you know, giggling and talking to each other. And I got off the elevator at the third floor and just the thought was, oh, shit, they have no idea what's wrong with me. This is never going to work. Um, and it took me probably uh, 10 days or, or so to start be bopping around and kind of going, oh, wow, there's a different way to live. <laughs> I had no idea. Um, so I really took to it like a duck takes to water, and I stayed sober for a solid 10 years. Wow. Mm -hmm. Out of the gates there. You didn't stumble. Out of the gates, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I really was just thrilled that there was a different way to live. It was, it was a hard life that I was, I was enduring. Um, and I had uh, Jessica, who was uh, four years old at that point, and so she was going through all this madness with me. Um, so the guilt and shame are around that, and the, also the hope that maybe... I could just like get a job and do what people do and raise yeah. kids. <laughs> so you were when you were in treatment, your daughter was four. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My mom and my um, two sisters who were. This will tell you a little bit of craziness about my family tree. Who were also uh, four years old and six years old. So uh, my mom and I were pregnant at the same time, uh, ah. which is yeah unusual. So yeah, they uh, dropped me off in a little roundabout at Our Lady of Peace, and I went in the door, and they left. Um, mom wasn't real happy with me. Dad wasn't talking to me. Um, so it was, uh, it was a tough time. So I got out of Our, Our Lady of Peace, and I'd lost my driver's license for a couple of years. I had to spend a few weekends in jail. Um, 
so I had passes to get out for work and whatnot. But when I was, uh, for the first two years, I didn't have a driver's license. I lived over in the Highlands, which is close to downtown for those folks that um, aren't familiar with the area. And I'd ride my bicycle down to JDAC where the meetings were. And um, it was really some serious willingness at that point to do whatever it took. Yeah, riding yeah. a bicycle. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> always a sure sign when you, uh, if, if they don't have biking clothes on, you usually know what, what is happening. Yeah. <laughs> Lost the driver's license. Yeah. yeah. Um, so after, after two years, obviously, I got my driver's license back and, um, and I was working at like a car place doing paperwork or something and I was just terrible at it and finally got a job as a uh, office manager for a friend of my mom's and uh, worked there for a few years and then kind of figured out that there's got to be a way to make a little bit of money because it was it was tough I didn't have any child support coming in it was just Jessica and I um, I was going to five seven meetings a week um, sponsoring girls a lot of service work I was on several committees um, and um, let's see so what happened would be a good question, I guess. Um, well, you so, started to talk about the money. Oh, yeah. The money, it, it, it dawned on me that I was really tired of being broke all the time and that I was sure, certainly was smart enough to make some money, so let's figure out how. And um, kind of an interesting story, I think. I went to the bookstore um, with the, the idea of, okay, something's going to come to me. I'm going to figure this out. And I went to the... You get some inspiration? That, yeah, I was looking for some inspiration or even a book on, you know, how to make money, which I guess would be inspiration. But really where I, where I went was the um, religious section of the bookstore. And I picked up a book called Science of Mind, which mm -hmm. is Ernest Holmes' right. book. Yep. And it talks about, um, you know, that, that anything is available to us and we're the only thing that is in the way of our success, Certainly. however we define that success. and. And it really opened a door to me of, of the possibilities uh, that I was, I was the one that was keeping myself down. So over the next few years, I got into real estate. Um, and the, the thing that changed my recovery was I started slacking off on meetings because I started making money. Um, you know, I used to hear a lot that uh, uh, the relapse was because of back problems. You know, I got my job back. I got my car back. Yeah. I got my license back. <laughs> and uh, so once I got a little bit of success, which for me at that point was not much success, I was just being, you know, I could pay the bills. Um, I started slacking off on meetings, and then I met my second daughter's dad um, at a Narcotics Anonymous meeting. Because uh, you got to think, I was 24 years old. I was... Uh, a needle junkie uh, coming into AA. No, there wasn't a whole lot of women. There certainly wasn't a lot of young girls going to AA meetings, um, and I wasn't allowed to talk about drugs right. yeah. with the traditions and whatnot. Yep. Um, we're allowed to take a drink. While I'm going to take a drink. Yeah. Yeah. My mouth's getting dry. Um, so I carried a lot of shame with the drug use. Um, and and I think that has been with me for my entire life, really, the, the shame and um, the, the way that we grew up. My mom and dad got married when they were really young. They were 16. So dad 
says he got his driver's license and his marriage license like the same week. Wow. Um, had my older sister when they were 16, had me when they were 18. So just that alone, if you don't account for any of the anger issues that my mom has or the alcoholism that my dad has, just the fact that they were so young, um, it was just a recipe for some disaster. Yeah. Um, and luckily, uh, my mom's dad um, had a little bit of money, and, they, and he bought them a house. So I was five years old. That would put them at about 22, let's say, 23 years old. And they were plopped down in, like, suburbia, uh, J-Town, um, in this really nice neighborhood, in a really nice house. And they were kids. All the neighbors were white collars. My dad owned a motorcycle shop, so there was motorcycles in the driveway. He had a big old afro, 19, <laughs> 19 whatever, 74 maybe? Yeah, I can't imagine 70, that. yeah. Um, so we were just different, and we were looked at different. Um, my mom and dad were smoking pot and having big parties in the backyard, and nobody else in the neighborhood was doing that. So that, you know, that shame, I think, was really just, uh, we, uh, we were, were bred for it, for sure. Mm. Um, and with my dad is a recovering alcoholic. He's been sober now for 32 years. Um, I, like I say, I went to um, treatment in May of 87. He came to family week that... Um, May of 87, and he actually got sober July of 87 and has stayed sober the whole time. Yeah. Um, so they snatched him up on, on a family day. That's interesting. Is, yeah, pretty pretty funny story that he tells about that because uh, he would not talk to me. He was only talked to the counselors. He would not come in and sit on the in the whole uh, you know family scene. Um, so where was I? You were looking to make money. Uh huh. Okay. Met, and I had, had met. Yeah, I had met your daughters, Bernie, which is uh, which is my second husband, Lillian's dad, and I met him in a Narcotics Anonymous meeting, and um, found myself pregnant pretty quickly, and uh, so we got married. He was never really clean and sober. He had a, a methadone habit going that I didn't know about. Um, because I didn't allow myself time to get to know a person <laughs> before I got into a relationship. Um, so I spent the next, uh, gosh, I guess it was 10 years, 10, 11 years dealing with, with his addiction. Um, so we moved from Louisville to Nashville. That's where um, he had made money before. Um, so when I left Louisville and went to Nashville, I decided, I made a conscious decision that I really just didn't want to go to AA anymore. You know, I was... Um, 33 years old at that point and um, getting sober at 24 I just figured I'd grown up I've been through a lot of uh, counseling worked the steps you know I was just young and stupid I can handle this um, and the reason why I can't really say you know did I stay sober like was it nine years was it 10 years was it 12 years it's because it didn't get bad for a long time I moved to Nashville and and uh, I really just switched my addiction. Um, I call myself an alcoholic because I, I find recovery in Alcoholics Anonymous, but the truth of the matter is I'm an addict and I could um, use just about anything to cover up my feelings and, and, uh, and I've switched addictions quite a bit throughout the years. Um, so at, in Nashville, my uh, focus was on uh, Lillian staying safe, trying to get my husband to work, and then when that didn't happen, I went to work. And um, I ended up being a pretty successful sales manager for um, 
um, builder in real estate, made tons of money in my little world, um, and really liked the accolades and, and the um, awards and the award dinners, and that's when the alcohol started creeping in. So I was probably three years into Nashville before um, I started picking up every once in a while, and I'd just have a glass of wine, and I'd go, oh, I better not do that, you know, just like that little bit of AA, little bit of 10 years of AA will scare the shit out of yeah, you, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that other thing about it, it sure, certainly messes up your drinking. Yeah, yeah. It's hard Until to you start drink. drinking enough, and then you're well, not, right, yeah. Yeah, not thinking about that. So I would drink a little bit of wine, get a little bit of this, that going on, and then just get afraid and, and back off of it. Um, and it really probably wasn't until um, I divorced Bernie when Lillian was 10 years old. Um, and for the first time, I was in Nashville, so I didn't have... Uh, no family around to, to watch me. No AA people that I was afraid I was going to run into at liquor stores like I, I did when I came back to Louisville. Right. Um, and I was successful, and I could lean back on that. I could lean back on the nice house and the nice car and um, and the, the awards and whatnot. And uh, and then you and then you do what they say, which is cross that line um, of no return. I had a knee replacement got into some um, opioids, some Percocet, um, Oxycontin at first, which um, it's a good thing they took that off the market. I'm not sure I would have made it um, if that was as, as available as Percocets were. Yeah. Um, so I just played with that for the next few years and didn't really hit the wall until I got another um, DUI in Nashville, um, decided to move back home because... Uh, uh, my so my third husband uh, was having an affair with his ex-wife, which never works out. Yeah. Um, and my oldest daughter was pregnant with uh, with Mia, who's my now nine-year-old granddaughter. And I wanted to get back home. I was um, I was getting afraid of my use and the trouble I was going to get myself into. Um, so I came back home to get sober and got got here October two thousand nine and made my first attempt to get sober, um, you know, since the, the late 90s, um, in February of 2010. And I'd stay sober for six months or 10 months and then go back out. And, and you know, it's, I always um, am hesitant to tell my story on the recovery side because I, I feel pretty sure I don't know a whole lot. And the reason why I say that is... Um, you know, you hear in the rooms people say, you know, I, I know I, uh, I know I've got another drunk in me, but I don't know if I have another recovery. Right. Yeah. And uh, I would, and there was a time when I thought, well, that's just bullshit. I mean, why do people even say that stupid shit? Yeah. And <laughs> and then I, I find myself trying to get sober, and it's so hard to get sober the the second, the third, the fourth time. Um, and this last time that uh, I came back with, uh, I'm looking at two years in July. Um, I know exactly what they're talking about because I don't know that I would, I would be able to crawl back in uh, a next time. And and I'm not sure exactly what the psychology is behind that, but for me, it was just getting the gumption to try. Um, it was it was just hard to get up. And yeah, the thought of, yeah. you know, the thought of... I think it goes, you know, we say that there's a little... that The thing in the book, it says it's always worse, never better. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that also comes... For, I think that's 
statement also applies to coming back. It just continually gets worse and worse every time to tr- to, to get back in the room and, and 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 get some traction and recovery again. At least that appears to be what I see. Yeah, and I can I can vouch for that for sure because um, it really took every bit of gumption that I had to to get myself back in the room and to stay. And the thought of Suicide was not a new thought for me, for sure, but it was a more serious thought this last round. Yeah, way out. Um, yeah, it's like, I just, you know, screw it, I'll just die drunk, that's okay. Um, or I'll kill myself, which I never really was very serious about it. I had a couple ideas on maybe how I would do it, but yeah. I, didn't want, I didn't want it to be messy. I didn't want my kids to find me. Yeah, I could never like, find, yeah. like, a good way to do it, you know. Uh, One that would joke. work where the insurance would <laughs> exactly. still pay off and... Uh, yeah. You know, nobody would find me and be too traumatized. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just never could find a, a way that that would work. Yeah. I, would, I call it, you know, passively suicidal. Yeah. You know, I just want to disappear, really. Just yeah. wanted to have so that So I just accident. start smoking again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just real slow. Real slow. One cigarette at a time, one drink at a time, that kind of death. Yeah. Um, so what I did different um, between 2009 and 2017, that's a long-ass time to be trying to get sober. That is. Um, I didn't... Uh, that has that 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 time window right there had slipped slipped my mind. I didn't catch that as mm-hmm. we've been talking. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a long time, and I didn't stay stay sober for more than I'm going to say nine months at a time, um, and then I just kind of slipped back out gradually. And and you was know, it mostly on the drinking would take you back out, or would it, was there anything in particular that would? It was it? really the opiates that would the take opiates. me back out, and it was pills. You know, I. I I gave up the needle a long time ago. I'm, you know, I totally wasn't going to do that anymore. Right. And I think that was, you know, part of my um, staying out for the longest time was, you know, it's not that bad. Right. You know, when you come in, you know, balls to the wall, serious addiction issues, using needles, and the, just the things that I did to get the drugs, the people I was hanging out with. I mean, it was just a bad scene yeah. and really, really scary. So. You know, sitting at the Hyatt, having a couple glasses of wine, it's like, no big deal. surely to God, this is not a big deal. I can yeah. handle this, right? right? Um, or what's a few pain pills here and there? And... Well, and I've, I have, uh, uh, I've had a couple of surgeries, and uh, I'm hesitant to use that as an excuse, but I know today that my brain has no idea if I need a pill for, for pain or not. And it's a real trigger for me it'll just it, I'm just off and running I, and there's not a real thought between um you know I'll just take a couple of I mean who does it by the prescription I don't think anybody right, yeah, uses it I don't think anybody possible. does that right yeah. I don't think non-addicts do it <laughs> except that these people that have uh, you know the pills left in their bathrooms and I, I don't understand yeah, those there's folks. not many of them in my circles left yeah <laughs> yeah still on, still on a few myself um but I had a pretty good knack of, of finding people that, that had them that would give them to me um, or had them that I could buy. Um, and so I could keep myself pretty stocked up. And then I started uh, making doctors and and that kind of um, manipulation came pretty easy to me. I'm, I'm sorry to say. Um, but there was a point where um, it was just, you know, pills and alcohol, cigarettes, um, didn't smoke much pot, uh, just cause it made me really nervous. Hmm. Um, paranoid nervous? Beg your pardon? Paranoid nervous? Yeah. Uh-huh. Actually, the, when I got pregnant with, um, Jessica, my first, um, first daughter, 
I smoked some pot right after that, and since that point on, I'm just like, nah, I just don't want to do that. It made me really uncomfortable. Yeah, I smoked a whole lot of it over the years, but it, 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 I hit a wall on it where it just wasn't working. The pot wasn't working for me anymore. Be okay for a nightcap, maybe, if I mm. wanted to, to allow me to help me get shut down for the night. But then it just became something I just didn't want to do at all for, you know, and I, and I quit it. So did it make you tired? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but then that's not what I was ever looking for. I was always mm -hmm. looking for drugs that would help me continue drinking. Right. No, I didn't want anything that would shut me down. Now you know, uh, but but at the end of the night, when it was time to go down, uh, because of the same, I think I don't know. I I really had a hard time finding that last beer or that last drink mm -hmm. of the evening. You know, there would still be one more, right. one more, one more, and uh, that would force me over the edge. If I just smoked a little pot, then uh, that would push me over the edge, and I'd yeah. I like to tell you I went to sleep. Yeah. Nah. Pass out. I'm a, I'm I'm a real blackout drinker, so I never had that problem with that last one. I just you know I pass out someplace and wake up and be gone. And uh, you know it's a scary scary thing to wake yeah. up and not you know my girlfriends used to joke about you know I don't remember this wallpaper you know where am I? Yeah. <laughs> um, it is scary. It is really scary and you know walking around my car to see if there's any dents in it. I'm walking outside to see if my car is there. Yeah, um, where you're at, mm -hmm. and, you know. Um, I can't imagine, like, you know, it's one thing to, like, wake up in, like, a room. You don't know where you're at, right? Mm -hmm. But, I mean, to wake up in, like, a neighborhood, you don't know where you're at or something. And how do you, you get out? Yeah, how do I get out? Because you're sneaking yeah, out, right? You're not you waking know, anybody few, up. Yeah, and a few years ago, you didn't have these phones. <laughs> these things haven't been around that awful long where mm -hmm. you could say, take me home. Yeah. Um, one of the last blackouts that, that I had before I got sober, um, in 2017, I was in Las Vegas and, um, and started drinking early in the day. And I was the type of drinker that, you know, they call it pregame, well, pre-pregame, right? Mm. So I'm drinking way before anybody else knows that I am. Um, so I'm blacking out at eight, nine o'clock at night, um, and going for a long time after that. So, uh, you know, what happens between eight o'clock and, and 2 a.m.? There's a lot of things that can happen. <laughs> yeah. You know, waking up with, with burns and bruises and having no idea uh, where they came from. Um, and one blackout in, in Las Vegas, I, I ended up in a room and I didn't know anybody in that room when I woke up and I didn't have any clothes. Like I didn't have any clothes in the room that were mine. So I don't have no idea how I got there. Um, and I didn't know what my room number was. So I you know, got a, a robe on and had to go down to the front desk. And I mean, it was just like, you know, what room am I in? What room am I? You know, and you know how you look. Yeah. Um, we look all cute at 7 p.m. Come 2 a.m. It's, it's not a pretty sight <laughs> at yeah. all. Um, so it got really uh, scary because I'm old enough to know better and I know what happens and I, and I know that I've put myself into some situations which um, I'm real fortunate to, to, uh, to have gotten out of safely, as safe as I did. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing about my recovery today um, that I'm enjoying so much is, is trying to be in the middle of AA and... And you guys say it all the time, participating in my recovery. Um, I'm such an isolator, and um, and when I'm using, I'm isolating. They 
um, I've said this, I think, to you for sure. Um, the op- opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection. Yeah, and I heard a guy, uh, there's a guy on was on Joe Rogan's podcast the other day. I think the one, the person that I've heard that on a TED Talk was the first time I've heard it, a guy named mm. Johan Harry. Oh, really? Hari, H-A-R-I. Mm. He was on Rogan the other day. Well, and I don't know how he got addiction. that from me. I and yeah, I don't know whether he started. <laughs> you know, we we say in recovery circles though that nobody, you know, it's kind of like comedy. Nothing is really new. It's, no, uh, uh, it's recycled. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. recycled stuff all the time. But yes, go ahead. Mm-hmm. The opposite of uh, addiction is recovery. Certain or it's the is connection of addiction is connection. Certainly. Yeah. I found that to be true. Yeah, for me, it's connection with other people. Um, I have. I'm such a such a hider, meaning that I don't want people to see who I am and I can fake just about anything at any time and be whoever you want me to be. Um, and I say that, but it's really uncomfortable for me to do that. So I usually just kind of just check out, I'll just go home, right? And I yeah. can go home and be by myself and, and, you know, and, and be fairly happy or so I think. Um, but I isolate long enough and, and I start picking up something, whatever it is, whether mm. it's the money or the drugs or the alcohol or a combination thereof. Um, and then, of course, the connection to my higher power, which is, um, I think I was probably, I'm going to say seven months sober when I, I turned around. It was like, you know, I don't have a desire to drink. Yeah. I don't have a desire to use. Like, it's, I mean, it makes me want to cry right now thinking about it. For yep. the longest time, it was such a fight, just a horrible fight that I couldn't win. Yep. I had a sponsor say that to me today for the first time. Mm. That he said it to me. I was on the phone with him earlier, and he said uh, that he had smelled some, somebody was smoking pot, and he had like a flash for a second. And he said, I realized I had absolutely no desire at that point to, to join, you know, to mm-hmm. take. To, to, to help to use anything it just wasn't it's just not it's just there. not there yeah it's not not yeah. a fight until it's like not the, even a thought process until like it came by and was like an option for a second you know what i mean it was not that it was a real option for him but he smelled it somebody was smoking it in his vicinity and you know until he actually processed that no i don't want that mm-hmm. and then like almost surprised that hey hey i, who, I don't who, even who want just, that <laughs> who, who said that yeah exactly uh, yeah that's a new way of thinking mm-hmm. that's really a miracle that is the thing is the one day when you just don't want it anymore right mm-hmm. you know and going to meetings you know i i do think about the chronic relapse um and why that happens and i don't have an answer to why it happens but i know the things that i do that um will let it happen and for me it's not going to meetings if i don't go to meetings and i'm just not reminded of that wound that i have that needs to be cared to um and i talk myself into i'm okay um you know i can look around at my life and go check 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 um therefore i'm okay right and um and going to meetings and working with people um you know sponsoring people is such a gift and um it makes it gets me really emotional to think about the um, the opportunity that I have to help some other women. Yeah. And um, and I can relate. You know, I've been through a lot. I've put myself through a lot. And my addiction has put me through a lot of um, situations. Um, so there's not too many women that I've met that come across with something that I hadn't heard of or hadn't done or right. yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, 
like it says, our darkest assets or, you know, our, our darkest moments are our biggest assets around here now because mm-hmm. we get to use those magic words. To me, the magic words are me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that whole me too movement out there today. Yeah, well, that's you know, true. That. <laughs> but, but truth of the matter is, is mm-hmm. people, we come in here, we're thinking we're dragging stuff in that nobody else has ever done. And here you can sit as a recovered person with that smile and glow and say, yeah, me too. I did that too. And, you know, that lifts that shame off of people pretty mm-hmm. quickly at times that, uh, when they know that they're not, you know, they're not alone in this. When you stuff. see that light go off of really, you yep. did that too. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and I actually, you know, the, I don't. Okay, you got to be a little bit careful about it. But uh, I did a fist step with a guy not too long ago, and I started getting to being like feeling like I was a bit, bit disingenuous with how many me twos I was possibly mm-hmm. able to toss out. I like smiling. At, okay. I smile upwardly, you know, for whatever reason. That's my higher power kind of direction or whatever, you know. And I'm like, really, as I gaze up, I'm going. So we're going to line up, me and this guy's going to line up that closely. And I, everything he's done, I can almost say, yeah, I've done that too, man. And you really have. You're not really just have. saying that yeah. to make somebody feel Absolutely. good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as far as, you know, the, the higher power, you know, I've got some specific ideas for my higher power today that um, are really comforting. And um, and one of, the, one of the best things that I think about as far as the steps go is just trying to, to clear out the crap um, between me and my higher power because I know that the only limitation is myself, that, that God really does want me to have um, everything that would make me happy and make me useful. Absolutely. And, um, and the only way that I can get there is to um, go to make meetings, work the steps, clean house, and, uh, and I just get some more clarity and it's never ending. And I think one of, one of the things I've got to be careful of is um, I'm not going to graduate. You know, this continuing spiritual growth is what I, I strive for today, and I really enjoy it. Um, I enjoy being a seeker and uh, being a helper. Uh, and don't, uh, you know, that resting on my laurels is just thankfully not a, um, not a goal anymore. I thought I would arrive yeah. And, uh, and we don't as humans we don't you know those uh, those stumbles relapses slips whatever people want to call them uh, you know, that, that drove it home for me knowing that when I when I set down the tools if I don't stay at this I have a history that tells me what I do right now the thing about it is, is going in and that's one of the things about coming to meetings and staying you know, some people say keeping it green mm-hmm. so that I'm around newcomers a lot and I Absolutely, see people struggling yeah. and that kind of thing mm-hmm. helps me remember because I know that's another thing that people think that's actually the that's one of the big things about getting away from meetings if you stop you know it's not so much that I've stopped going to meetings that's probably not really it what it is is that because I'm not around other people who are struggling I forget I got this right my ego mm-hmm. returns and uh, what are they? There's somebody that what's they? There's a saying about the ego. Uh, you've said it, I think, is yeah. the, the disease. Uh, I got nothing. Can't remember, but it's about the ego coming back, mm-hmm. and, and I and I begin to think I'm okay again. Right. You know, and you said that earlier. You mm-hmm. thought it was okay to get the bought the drink of wine. You know. Well, yeah. Even though inside your belly or whatever, inside your heart, you knew that wasn't. I remember something that really bothered me was to sit with that can of beer. I can remember I have a plain, 
is day remembrance of sitting after having some recovery mm-hmm. and then going back out and playing sober or hiding it then Whew. because I didn't want people to it's see me, right? full-time job, right? And, uh, and have that beer and know that I have this beer in front of me and know that when I open that beer up, that, you know, it's like a Pandora's box thing. Right. I really don't know what, where I'm going after I do that. Mm-hmm. But like the insanity of the first drink, what it used to be like before I knew what the insanity really was. You know, I didn't understand it, right? There was right. a part, part of the time I didn't have any idea. I look back, I go, I had no idea that when I drank that first beer, that I was not going to stop until something stopped me. Uh, yeah. That you day, that, that night, times. whatever, might be weeks, <laughs> might be years. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but then once I knew what that first drink was, and I sit there with that beer in my hand, and I hadn't cracked the top of it, and then, you know, you kind of, I remember, like, bending it up a little, bend mm-hmm. the tab up a little bit, and then, like, stop. And then finally, you just go and pop it. it open yep. and take a big drink of it, you know, and then, you know, and quickly squash in my head, do my best to squash that knowing mm-hmm. of what this really meant. Yeah. And, and you have three and, or four, it gets a little bit easier. Be off on, be, mm-hmm. you know, off. But by that time, I was not enjoying it anymore. It just really wasn't working. I, you know, I'd drink one and then it didn't you'd get me, you know, and another and another and get some whiskey or get whatever mm-hmm. and keep on trying to search for that one more that was actually going to get me where I wanted to be. Yeah. It just stops and working it, and, and thank it God it does. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause after that, that last blackout that I, I spoke of, I started staying home and just drinking by myself. Yeah. Cause it's too scary. It was too scary to go out and I, I'm, it was just a matter of time. I was going to get arrested again cause I got another uh, DUI here in Louisville. So I don't know. That's somewhere so like between six, six, seven, eight. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. Yeah. Let's you say, couldn't have a driver's license today. Uh, no. And I would have spent some time in jail yeah, for absolutely. sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, the last time Not I was... Not to mention the risks we take on killing somebody else or... No kidding. You know, I, driving drunk was one of the... Jail be okay, really, compared mm-hmm. to... Yeah, the the box wine. I'd put that box wine in the trunk of my car, and then I'd just fill up my water bottle with that wine and keep on driving. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's insanity, and it really does not taste very good. It's pretty warm. It's nasty. <laughs> um, the last time that I went to jail, I was here in Louisville, and... Um, I was in a blackout, came to, um, in the, um, I guess the processing room is what you would call it. And I literally came to sitting in the processing room, looking around, trying to figure out what happened. And I didn't know if I'd killed somebody. And that's the thought that ran through my head of, uh Oh, I might've killed somebody. And then I look around and go, well, I don't have any blood on. No one's, I'm not handcuffed. I'm just sitting with all these other drunks. Yeah. Um, and then I look across, and there's this guy on the other side which where, where they kept the men, and he was, like, trying to get my attention. I had no idea who he was. And I'm thinking, is he trying to pick me up? I mean, this is crazy. And then um, I get processed, and um, I, it wasn't drunk driving that, that time. I was actually with that guy that was across the room. He got arrested for drunk driving. I was so incapacitated, they just had to take me to jail and was charged with public intoxication. Yeah. You know, and at this point, I, I own my business here in Louisville. Um I'd gotten locked up right down the street from, from my business at Captain's Quarters. Um, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of risk. I was ready to throw everything away just for, for, another, for another drink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The insanity. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, as far as like going to meetings, the juice that, that uh, you guys talk about now, it's, it's just going to become my word, I guess. Instead of saying it's your contagious. Yeah, it is. 
Um, the juice the of juice going to meetings. The juice is ours. Yeah. The collective hours. The hours. We, we, okay. The spiritual underground does not have a monopoly <laughs> on the juice. As a matter of fact, we work very hard to try to give the juice away. It mm-hmm. is a motto of ours is share the juice. Yes. You just usually share it with other men. So it's hard for us women to get in, into the crowd it there. Is. Which, which that's okay. But part of the juice of you know going to meetings is finding those newcomers. You know, you get that charge out of trying to help somebody else. And yep. You know, the, overcoming the, the addiction, a lot of it is about building your life to a point where you wouldn't want to, why would you do anything else? I mean, why would you go out and have a drink? I mean, you're, I'm really having a good time, even when I'm... Um, got to have something better. Well, you got to have something better. You got to have something to hold on to. And, you know, for me, it's just the knowledge that it's okay not to be okay. I mean, it used to be that I had a feeling and I had to fix that feeling immediately. Right, yeah. And now, I mean, just the other day, I, I got myself all up in a wad and um, was really sad and knew I was sad. And it was like, okay, yeah, I'm just sad. <laughs> and it'll pass. Yeah, this um, too will pass. Mm-hmm. And there was a time when, um, you know, a, a sad morning would mean a drunk afternoon and a drunk night. And uh, I, don't, I don't have to go there yeah. anymore. Just don't have to. Yeah. And that's such a relief. Um, there was, if I was going to say, my my big thing was generally stress, not sadness. It would be mm-hmm. the overwhelming feeling of uh, job stress or job or even family stuff or you know just life. You know, feeling like it was just weighing on me. You know, everything you know, add it all up: mom, dad, friends, kids, wife, mm-hmm. job. You know, all of that weighing down on me. Uh, feeling that I needed to like you know had to be everything to everybody uh, and that stress build up on me and you know still and you know you said you had an event I did too just in the day last couple of days of that static raising up but today that 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 other option is no longer on the table it just is not though I can identify that feeling that would send me to drinking right uh, it's just not it's just not where I go today I've got too many other tools mm-hmm. and uh, as I've said uh, number of times I just think uh, I, I, I am not willing to give this up I am not willing to give what I have today up for any fucking thing period well and especially for the misery of drinking I mean this yeah. really is the easier softer way it's it's hard for me to be a drunk it takes a lot of effort a lot of effort to, yeah. Oh, to, yeah, yeah, to that, work and get all my stuff done and be a drunk yeah I mean, I think Chris was talking about willpower um, the other day. You know, addicts and alcoholics, we have a lot of willpower. It yeah, takes a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of work to get out there and uh, do that day and be day. in the madness and try to be responsible and pay your bills and and do the deal. Yeah, you know, try to be a good mother and and falling short. So all the shame and guilt and. Um, you know, I know today that if I'm not actively working on my recovery, I'm actively working on my next relapse. Right. And there's yeah. really no in between. That's that whole thing that a friend of mine had shared with me and it stuck with me. You said that a minute ago. That guy said pointed you know, and, and I and I remember because he pointed at me and uh and you know, we have we all love to be pointed at, right? Uh <laughs> he pointed at me and he and he said and he shook his finger and he said, you must re- you must participate in your own recovery, Dan. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was wanting just to like hang around with people and right. have it work, you know. And, and so today that I do, I take that to heart in my, 
in my recovery today is actually freaking participate in it, take action, you know, on a daily basis that keeps me there. Like you said, if I don't do that, I'm scared to death of going back, to be mm-hmm. honest. You know, I stood there with that prison sentence and different things like that. I don't know, they, that book and everybody else that goes out and comes back reports that it's no better. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still just as bad out there. Or worse. So if it's going to get worse for me now, if my next time is worse, you know, then what does that mean, right? Well, that, that's I'm beginning to get up against some pretty damn big consequences if I go back out and it's worse. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Grateful to be here. So there's a. Well, you started talking about the sponsorship thing. You know, I mean, that's those. It's it's a very those steps have to be divinely inspired. They just have to be, because all those elements there that we had to do, because I. I ran into to a guy last night, you know, about uh, talking about like picking and choosing which ones of these twice last night, different <laughs> yeah. things, picking and choosing what of this I get to do. And that's another thing that I don't do today. Usually mm-hmm. if I sit down and somebody looks like they're not having, if somebody's not getting everything they want out of recovery, I can usually sit and talk to them for a few minutes and figure out what they're not doing. What they're not doing. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that nobody ever does is meditate. And I shouldn't say nobody. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. not right. But a, va- a lot, a big chunk of people who are, are, as far as I'm concerned, leaving something on the table mm-hmm. is that they're refusing to do that, you know, and they'll say for various reasons why they're not. Uh, listen to a guy last night where he was talking about the TSSR book, Christopher's new book. And Great this guy book. stood mm-hmm. in front of me and said, well, we're doing this step study, but we're going to skip on out and start at chapter seven. And I thought, really? <laughs> Uh, I kind of like that idea, I got to say. But I understand I because <laughs> step one starts there, you know, but, you know, I, oh, I do the same thing about the, uh, you know, my recovery the same way, you know. I know, a, I know, a, I know, I, I know. I know, you know, I'm not. No, I'm, I'm saying, what I'm saying is I, I know the first seven chapters. I don't have to read those. I know all that. Yeah. I know and what all I that. need to know all that so. for, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And breeze over. I just couldn't. And this guy's a pretty, you know, he's really solid. He's uh He's a staple in my recovery, you know, and I and I stand there in the parking lot, look at him. Did you really just say that to me? Mm-hmm. You know, the mm-hmm. Mister, you must participate in your recovery. <laughs> the Mister, uh, uh, do all twelve steps, mm-hmm. uh, not you know a few of them, or maybe two or three this day or two or three that day. Uh, you're really going to stand there and tell me you're going to skip forward? And I did say something to him. I said, man, it must be good to be that far recovered. Yeah. So you just skip ahead. <laughs> yeah, but you know, going smiled. back to that, uh, you know, the meditation, uh, I think a lot of people do skip that, and I think a lot of people just don't know how to do it. I certainly didn't for a long time. No one really talked about it, especially in early, you know, 19, late 80s, early 90s. Um, it's much more popular, I think, just across the culture right yep. now than it, than yeah, it was. Yeah, there's a growing moving movement outside of recovery mm-hmm. across the culture. Like you said, that meditation is becoming a tool that's mainstream. Yeah, and that's one of the things that my sponsor is just really big on. She uh, She's taught me how to meditate and, and has gotten me to the point where I'm comfortable doing it. Yeah. And uh, uh, last week, I think I went like two days and, and didn't meditate. Um, and for no particular reason, just got busy and, you know, whatever, um, out of my routine. And, you know, I turn around and look and I go, you know, that's that's not the way I want to live. I, I feel so much better um, when I'm taking the time in the morning just to, um, you know, the guided meditation is great. And then sitting quietly and trying to get my mind to, to settle. And the more, uh, the longer that I do that, the easier it is to yep. sink into yep. that spot. Yeah, a 20-minute meditation is like a... 
it's really no big deal today. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really not. It's and my sponsor tells me it's the most important thing I'll do all day long. Yeah. And that's that's a real good thing to remind myself yeah. of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a pace for me the rest of the day. I, I need to do it in the morning. I, I meditate sometimes other times of the day and that kind of thing. But it's really my morning when it sets the pace. Uh, I tell a little bit of leaving the house, like, uh, you know, flying out of bed to the coffee maker to the shower, mm-hmm. throw some clothes on, out that door, like the Tasmanian devil, you know, right. spot to spot to spot, you know, and it's a, it's a little tornado between the bed and the coffee maker. Mm-hmm. And every one of them spots I visualize, like the, the, the Tasmanian devil spinning yeah. in a Saturday. I can see then it. I carry that pace the rest of the day. And I'm kind of a high energy guy anyway, period. You know, I kind of go, go, go. Mm-hmm. Uh, that meditation sets the pace for me for the rest of the day. I need that need that starting point like that rather than that tasmanian devil the tornado through the whole day yeah yeah. and for me i'm not thinking when i'm in that mode when i'm moving that fast it's like a pinball in a pinball machine yeah i'm I'm bouncing off of i'm careening off of these objects that send me in in directions i'm not at all prepared to get shot off into yeah i'm just reacting (laughs) and bumpers just bing man Mm -hmm. i don't know which way that ball is going to go when it hits that bumper Mm -hmm. how fast what Mm -hmm. it's going to run into once it comes off of there Uh, yeah and and more often than not you know today i just have the sense that um things are okay and i'll know what to do when i'm supposed to know what to do i don't have to to sweat it as much um yeah, as far, like financially, I don't have a whole lot of financial insecurity, which um, I've just been gifted with the um, this knowing that that's all going to work out for me. Um, yeah, I don't have that same knowing with being happy, joyous, and free. Um, but for some reason, on this money piece, um, it's like ah, that'll be okay. I don't have to worry too much about that, um, which is. Um, which is really a cool thing. I mean, I've been saying for years and years that, you know, wherever I go, money just follows me. And it's not like I have a lot of money. It's not about that at all. It's just that I don't have that fear of not having it. Yeah. You know, I'm always going to be okay. Um, That's the way if you're living in scarcity or living in a, with an abundance. Abundance, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Mindset, which one are, you know, and we do. We thank ourselves into what we have. You know? So true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really yeah. like that that part about you that you have that optimism like that. I've probably spent most of my life actually with the opposite mindset. And I see that today. I'm going, yeah. Uh, you know, even when I am doing, you know, I do pretty decent. You right? do really well, actually. But, yeah. uh, but, mm-hmm. but I still will think myself into thinking that I don't. That I don't. And it's just a thought. Yeah. It's so interesting when you stand back and take a look at, uh, you know, we just control our emotions with this crazy thinking yeah mm-hmm. um, there are a couple of things though that uh when you we, we started off with you coming straight in like when you came to recovery you know, it kind of ends up with a funny story going this way though but i think it's worth hearing is uh you had some really bad accidents right growing up but when you were automobile accidents before getting sober oh yeah that mm-hmm. uh that really could have went you know and i don't really like to not a huge war story guy, but I think some of those bigger things are worth talking about sometimes when we're mm-hmm. uh, behind these mics. It helps other people relate to. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I don't think about that as, as much um, anymore because I'm, you know, kind of far away from it as far as those bad car accidents that I had when I was younger. I think that actually, uh, just real quickly, I think what happens the most time in my experience is people focus on those war stories and they don't get to the recovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try not to do that in my own story, but I do understand that that, that old stuff is is has some has some value. 
yeah when we're when we're uh sharing this carrying this message to people who uh are needing that me too yeah element yeah there's one car accident that i had that i don't i really don't talk about very much it's it's um it's painful because I, I hurt somebody else i was uh gosh i don't even know how old i was but i remember i was driving my um uh volkswagen convertible white just got it all tricked out and coming from Chi Chi's after sitting, I don't know what that's called, but you sit in a chair and they just pour like a margarita in your mouth or something. Huh. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's not good. <laughs> a lot of tequila. Driving home on a, a pretty curvy road and I, I had a tree on, um, on my friend's side and um, she's disabled for life oh, really? from that. Um, yeah, you hadn't told me about that. Mm-mm. I really, like I said, I don't think about it and I... I done what I can to make amends she's wasn't real open to that but um yeah so we hit the tree it really messed up her her leg and her uh, a little bit of a brain injury uh, and I, I just like ate the, steer, the steering wheel which I did four or five other times as well but um after I got sober I was probably four years sober and um and I and I found her and went to her and um and and try to sit down and have a conversation, but she was really, really angry, and that's just an amends that um, I can't make to her directly. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I saw her daughter in a Narcotics Anonymous meeting, hmm. um, and that the daughter was a newcomer, and I started talking to her, not knowing exactly who she was, and then Mary uh, walked in to get her daughter, who was probably 17, and um, I was so excited because I was, you know, I was in an NA meeting. I was going to help her daughter. This could all work out. And she still was not very receptive. You know, sometimes those amends are just not the greatest stories yep, <laughs> that we yep. want them to be. Right. Well, with the willingness to make them, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you said it's not not able to make it. And uh, the, I know those are, I'm struggling with English language stuff here lately because the mm-hmm. words don't work that well for me. Some For some reason, I got some hang-up thing. But, you know, we make them. It's not. Well received. Ultimately, it's not between me and that person. It looks mm-hmm. like it is, really. Mm-hmm. But really, the men's is between me and my higher power. And if I'm making it to, if, I, if I'm making the effort, I'm willing. I go through, you know, and, and take the action. If it's, you know, because sometimes, you know, we can't even get to the person, right? Yeah, that's true. And just because mm-hmm. you can't get to them, in my teachings, doesn't mean I can't do the amend. That I can't get okay with my higher power on this. That's really where I'm balancing the. That's where where I'm balancing the scales. So you're talking like a living amend at that point that you're you know to help other people and to potentially I'm not you know I think that living amends to me is more of like a step twelve. Mm-hmm. I think more of that is like uh, practicing these principles in all of our affairs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but mm-hmm. but no, I can do other things to you know, because the book always says I have to be willing and I have to do that work. You know, so I mean, I will have I have amends cocked and ready that I've done the work with in the way that my sponsor prescribes to do it with what we do is eight step prayer work on forgiveness stuff both mm-hmm. directions mm-hmm. and then write I make a harms list. I then write a script, right? And I am prepared to make this amend. Now the thing is, if those people will talk to me or not, it's right. not my problem. Mm-hmm. So I have some amends where people won't talk to me, and I've done my part. I feel clean on those. Uh, other ones where I've written a letter that never got delivered, right? Yeah, uh, I did one mm-hmm. amends where I wrote where I wrote a letter and I read my letter to my sponsor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and I fog up. <laughs> tell, thinking about that because I didn't know what that was going to do that day. 
you know, that I was writing this amends to somebody I couldn't do an amend, direct amend with. Mm-hmm. But reading that to my sponsor was some like fifth step kind of like um, admitting to myself, uh, to God and another person kind of right. thing in a way mm-hmm. and getting free of that. You know, so uh, let's, it, it, it really drove home the matter to me that 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 other person, although there are some benefits at times that that other person gets let off. Maybe maybe somebody gets let off the hook for something that right. is taking some blame for your mm-hmm. stuff or something mm-hmm. or you patch up an old relationship or, you know, so there's some there's some collateral benefit. Yes, that yeah. can come from an amend in that case, and that is juice when it happens, right? I mean, that, right. that's that gets back into that connection thing rather than the addiction, because now you reconnected with somebody and patched up a rough spot or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's magic, but that no means uh, in my lineage and teaching does that uh, put whether if amends was actually uh, made or not. Yeah, I, I got the, the self-centered part of me just wants to be forgiven. Yeah, right. That's, yeah. that's you know, my ego just really wants to be forgiven. I've had an opportunity where I had a sponsor that uh, it was in my heart that he not see these people because I think it wasn't... Wasn't the right thing to do. And I've definitely, you know, when, when I made that decision with my um, sponsor, of, you know, like this person and this person, I'm just going to do more harm by going to those those people. That yeah. was that was you know, easy. Go, but the, yeah. the ones that I've wanted to make and they're resistant have been a little bit difficult. Yeah. Yep. And especially and, family members and people that you're close to, certain ones, but those are, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, I can't imagine like that, that particular one where you've actually harmed somebody, you know, you've committed, you've had it physically, you've, they've, you, you have caused somebody physical permanent damage. Physical permanent damage. It's yeah. something that, uh, mm-hmm. man, I'd really want to be able to make that amend directly with the person and I would want them to forgive me. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the, the other side of that, I was in a, in a car with a girlfriend, and she was driving, and we had an accident and really busted my my leg up and um, and uh, you know put some pins in my leg, and they wanted to take my leg off for for a half minute before my mother to stop that nonsense. And um, and I don't hold I don't hold her responsible for that. I mean, she was driving, she was drinking, I was drinking. Same situation as as with Mary. Um, and your friend was drinking also. Mm-hmm. With- yeah, and uh, so interesting that I'm, I'm so, uh, it, it's very easy for me to let someone off the hook for doing the same thing, right? We were both out partying, she happened to be driving, we had the accident, she wasn't hurt, I was hurt badly, and, uh, and uh, you know, I have, have dealt with that for the last, however long it's been, I guess 33 years now. Um, but I hadn't really thought about that until just now. Uh, really, that's the same situation. Uh, one, I, w- I was the one that caused harm, and the other one, I was the one that was harmed. Yeah. And uh, and I hold absolutely no ill will um, mm. to Sarah for for that. Um, it was never even crossed my mind, actually. Really? Mm-hmm. It wasn't something you even had to really work on. That wasn't. No, it just was. You know, damn the luck. <laughs> so she probably never came up in any step work. Um, I saw her out at, um, I don't even remember where, but she was drinking and I wasn't. And I told her that I'd stop drinking and she told me that she'd stop driving. So, uh, <laughs> but I mean, like you didn't have her in a four step or you didn't have any, Mm-mm. no, it wasn't a resentment. I mean, it really was, I don't know if I on some level thought it was karma or, or something yeah. like that, but, um, uh, so yeah, I've had lots of accidents. I've had motorcycle accidents. I've had road rash really bad. I've knocked my teeth out four different times. I mean, I could, 
quite a history with drugs and alcohol. It has not been good. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm happy. I'm happy to be here. Yes, those, yeah, and that's, uh, from what I understand, a lot of accidents that could have really caused you a lot of harm, and some of them did have caused you some some fairly serious injuries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that you've came through with. You know, the other thing is, you know, one thing as I look back, you know, that uh, I do believe at some level I was survived a lot of things for a reason. For a reason, absolutely. Yeah, there's uh, a lot, of, a lot of things I could look at and go, Whew, that was a close call. It's important for me with uh, with this today is that. Uh, no, I didn't like. I didn't gain a higher power. I mean, I got a better understanding, and I got a, a connection and a reliance. That's one thing I always say is like a, that reliance. That's that thing yes. of being that I know it's okay. That reliance, the connection, don't mean shit to me if I can't rely on it. Right. If I'm more <laughs> self reliant than God reliant, yeah. then what am I doing? So I had to be. You know, that's a, that that peace of mind where I, that that I can know that I'm okay today. But I also look back and I see where I was also being carried throughout. You know, that little that footprints in the sand kind of poem mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that, that I had been carried a lot mm-hmm. uh, through some things that uh, yeah. just didn't plop in my life when I decided to stop drinking. So true. Absolutely. And talking about the, you know, the eighth and the ninth step, I, I would be remiss if I didn't, um, you know, talk about my kids and, and, you know, it says that we were going to, you know, not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. And I don't want to shut the door on it because I've been able to help some people with my experience. Um, but I certainly have some regrets yeah. and, um, and that'll make me tear up in a heartbeat. But, um, I've gone to both my kids and, and, and sat down and talked to them and owned what I needed to own. I can't fix some of the things that have happened, but what I can do is, is be an example of, of what recovery looks like and be available and show up. Um, and, I, and my job is to continue to do that, to just show up in their lives and be available. So. Yeah, that's, uh, I like the, I like, the, I like the words, not regret the past. <laughs> uh, does it say, it says we don't wish to shut the door on it, right? Mm-hmm. That wish is maybe in the regrets part too. Maybe. I don't wish to regret <laughs> the past, but the fact of the matter is, uh, I think you'll always carry some of that. You know, I'm a free, I'm free today, and I can say that my spirit has been freed from that, and I'm a pretty free dude today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't walk around with that weight on I, uh, me that I, can't I used really say to. That. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, but certainly, there's moments in my life that I still there's there's things that I regret. Mm-hmm. At least cringe, <laughs> right? <laughs> cringe at the thought. Of and some of them is not necessarily something like that, just a flat-out mistake, but, you know, things that I know got taken away from me from my alcohol use and my my, my addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of the things is I, you know, I came really close to getting that being an Eagle Scout, and I stopped short of that. Right. And I look back today, and I know that well, uh, that was a lot of, uh, that was a time when I started, smoking a lot of pot and started down the path mm-hmm. uh, I had a promising basketball career right and, and got changed the direction the, of your life kicked right? off the basketball team you know so mm-hmm. uh, those things are hard not to regret mm-hmm. uh, they don't carry weight really anymore you know that's the other thing that's this this I've heard that uh, said before that you know the stuff is still there it just doesn't weigh on me like it used to right mm-hmm. and it certainly doesn't doesn't pile up 
That's the other thing, like a combined weight. Now it's looked yeah, at now as this now individual I've got some tools, elements right? and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. it's this and it's this and this, mm-hmm. rather than you know these individual uh, events, rather than I think at some point it was looked at more as far as my weight that it was on that was that I carried, was those things were like all on me concurrently. Right. Yeah. This big ball and chain that I'm carrying around. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't have to do that today. That's for sure. I had a great thought and I lost it doggone it it's going to make this whole podcast yeah. well i heard somebody say something the other day that if you have a thought and you lose it you change the subject so i actually was talking to a guy last night about meditation and it dawned on me that maybe we can use a since we get to do this whole our own conception of a higher power mm-hmm. then why can't i do a whole my own conception of what me, meditation is right right you get to make that shit up too mm-hmm. you know and i know that sounds a little loose and goosey that about that with the higher power and i get to make it up as i go uh, but the truth of the matter is, I do. Yeah. I really do. Uh, it's my old teaching that, 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 that makes me not be able to like be totally free with that. But I can do the same thing with meditation. You know, I mean, what do we say a lot of things is where our intention is, right? Right. You know, uh, if I'm going to decide that this particular activity is meditation for me and that's my intention, uh, I don't know why I can't do that. I think you can. Uh, mm-hmm. and I mean, I think you know, for me, exercise is, is a form of meditation. Sure, yeah, sure. yoga is a meditation for mm-hmm. me, for sure, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I still, for me, also, I need that quiet. I need, personally, mm-hmm. some still quiet time in my life that is geared intentional meditation, uh, whether if it's even guided with, a, with sound mm-hmm. or actual quiet. I need that stilling of the mind thing uh in my life in addition to uh like medita- like yoga mm-hmm. yeah and what, I, what i like to that? think of is you know I'm, I'm making that conscious contact i'm taking the time to have a relationship with my higher power and i can consciously make contact if you will um i feel that way with my woodworking too mm-hmm. when i go when i get into the zone when i'm in the flow mm-hmm. and and everything is like turned off pretty much you know it's my my, have a soul focus and that's similar to what meditation in a way you know i'm trying to narrow my focus during meditation i'm trying to get pinpoint kind of laser accuracy on a stillness of breath and you know trying to do that deal where we're just get the uh, clutter quieting the mind and not having a million things being thought of at the same time Mm -hmm. uh whether if i'm doing any kind of thing whether you know maybe a guy does needlepoint or cross stitch or uh, color. I for a long time I was really getting a lot of value out of color and mandalas. Mm-hmm. Coloring. Yeah. You know, it was just. I've heard that it was, before. Uh, yeah. It was quieting and soothing, and uh, and then I had something pretty at the end when I was right. done, and mm-hmm. uh, and I would carry. That's something I could carry around too, man. I could take a couple of different pens and like have them with me oh. in early recovery and like be in a meeting at work mm-hmm. and and mindlessly color to kind of settle me. But still be present in the meeting because I can hear. So right. I'm not like I'm doing anything that would like take my attention completely away. Mm-hmm. But it would like bring settle me. you down a little bit. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I still struggle with that in meetings at work. Mm-hmm. I want to jump up, and <laughs> stomp on the table, and tell everybody how way it ought to be. I bet. I work for myself, so I don't have to worry too much about about all that. I'm very grateful for that because I'm not sure I'd be very good at it. Yeah, I think uh, I remember when you when I first met you, you told me you were unemployable. I had to buy my job. Yeah, and that's. That's probably more true than I'd like to admit. Yeah. So um, that big thought ain't come back yet? 
Beg your pardon? That big thought hasn't come back yet? Cause well, man, no, but I've, had, I've, I've got so you many got great things. One. I've got so many great things to talk about. Um, yeah, when I think about my recovery, it's, it's not just about not drinking and not using drugs. It's, it's about how I'm treating my body, what I'm putting in it, if I'm working out, um, my finances, am I being crazy with my money, am I not paying my bills on time just because I'm procrastinating. Um, you know, it's really looking at my whole life and, and see if it's calm or is there some chaos. And, and, you know, chaos pops up for sure, but I can look at that and go, okay, let's settle this down and, and, uh, and fly right and not let things get so out of hand that um, I get jumbled up and get confused or get so anxious that I'm going to run out and do something stupid. So, And that exercise is a big piece for me. I mean, I yeah. definitely... Um, work out you know three or four times a week and and uh, and I feel like it's balanced and it's uh, it's it's a good thing for for me to do for my for my health and for my body and for my mind it really helps settle myself down as far as um, getting rid of some of that energy and and anger and angst and yeah you know getting some sweat on is good yeah there's a there's a line in the big book that I think it's a silk I think it's a, in the doctor's opinion or something anything that anything that leaves out this physical mm-hmm. factor and i know what he's saying in there's a little different but i always do look at maybe how these things maybe mean more than just the one thing like i said earlier about the uh well i've said uh like the regret in the past and that mm-hmm. and then uh and i said something a little bit earlier about another one and i thought it sounded a little that could be looked at a couple different angles the physical fact any 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 recovery that leaves out the physical factor i think you're leaving something on the table once again right mm-hmm. uh, i'm having i'm in a position right now where now that i've like invested in uh in yoga in myself right i'm starting to attract some guys doing yoga Mm-hmm. And I'm, and I, you know, I don't think it's a fluke. I'll just say what I believe. I believe it because these guys are doing some kind of physical thing, especially because they're doing it and with something that is like a spiritual practice, which is what yoga is. Mm-hmm. They're getting that mind, body, spirit thing, and they're taking care of the physical side. That they're achieving some recovery quicker, and their body's healing faster, their mind's healing faster. Uh, because of addressing that physical factor, you yeah. know. And exactly. with that, just automatically. So mm-hmm. if you're it's like that. Uh, it's like that thing about says if you want self esteem, you got to do esteemable things, yes, right? Uh-huh. So I mean, when we're taking care of ourselves, we feel good, right? Mm-hmm. And when we feel good, we want to feel better, right? And when we're feeling good, we say, "Dang, man, I should. I'll probably not really be eating that. I should probably be eating this instead." Mm-hmm. You know, I work my ass off all week long, right? Or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. to, to take care of myself, and then I'm gonna do that. You know, then I'm gonna eat this crap all the time. That doesn't make any sense to me. No, it doesn't. Know? I do a lot of that, but and, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. yeah and I know we still will, but no, you don't eat crap. I mean, you have, yeah. we're, you know, again, that other, another line in that book says we are not saints, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't mean that Progress. we got to like get into some kind of ascetic lifestyle where we're going to sleep on a bed of nails mm-hmm. because, you know, that's, that's the holy way or whatever. You know, I can have a cheeseburger. I can have a piece a donut, of donut. That would be mine. A yeah. donut, yeah, mm-hmm. right, yeah. A Coke. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm not a big soft drink fan, but once mm-hmm. in a while I'll see one. My son loves Cokes. We keep them around the house. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, hmm, that looks good for some reason, and I will have me a Coke. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will do it in secret. I won't let anybody see me doing that. <laughs> uh, you know, when I'm looking for a sponsor, if I'm you know looking around for um, some some female buddies. Yeah, I do. I I do take a look at, um, you know, are are they severely overweight? Are they smoking? You know, those kind of addictions are simply addictions for me, and I've got to watch the, 
the whole broad spectrum. It's not just about drugs and alcohol for me. Yep, that was certainly another thing that came along. You know, I was a big-time nicotine user all the way through for all my life. Mm -hmm. I really didn't give it a lot of thought. And then, you know, some uh, almost 500 days ago, I put down the dip. Yeah. And it was the same kind of thing. I'm, I'm up, I don't know if I you know, told this story, but it doesn't make any difference. So I'm sitting working with this Monty, and I'm talking to a guy across the table about... Uh, you know, I love Bob Earl's line about uh, improve improve the quality of my life in recovery. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's my, you know, that's another one of my goals is to continue to improve the quality of my life in recovery. How can I can do? How can I do that? That key word to continue. Right. And while I'm doing that, I got a big old jaw full of dip, and I'm spitting <laughs> in a cup, and it hit me like so a ton gross. of bricks that day mm-hmm. of going, you know, I, like, I, and I like visualize it now. I'm like, you gotta improve the quality of your life. <laughs> in recovery you know <laughs> spitting mid-sentence in it you know yeah. and i don't doubt that was really happening but it just hit me i mean and i mm. remember the guy was like i'm like looking at that cup kind of all of a sudden you. like mm-hmm. what a hypocrite you know you're telling this guy across the table and for whatever reason you know i like you know that's a really you know if i really want to carry this message you know I, and, and again i'm not uh, i don't want to make it like i'm like it's a a motive driven kind of thing but but I want to be as effective. The book says to grow in understanding and effectiveness. It's yeah. another thing the Alcoholics Anonymous book says. Mm-hmm. And if I can do something that's going to help me be more effective in carrying this message, uh, it has it has occurred to me that uh, I need to stop. I need to put some things down. Right. Yeah. And also by proxy, pick some new things up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like um, I have no idea who who said this, but. You know, when I'm blocking my feelings, whether it's with nicotine or with sugar or, or with booze or with drugs, um, I'm, I'm blocking the things I don't want to think about, but I'm also blocking the joy that could come in. You're and, numbing the bad. Mm-hmm. You're also numbing the good. Who said that? Brene Brown. Ah, good. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's who I heard say it anyway. Uh-huh. I'll buy that. Yeah. 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 I mean, and I'm paraphrasing. I'm sure it's not exactly that, but uh, it's... It's really close to that. Mm-hmm. I can't numb the I can't numb the bad without numbing the good. Also, right. There's a lot of good stuff today. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. Anything else to say? I got nothing. nothing. I'm good. You ran out of juice. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm out of juice, but um, um, I feel complete. Do you have good. any uh, thoughts on maybe where things might be going for you? Um. That's interesting. Um, kind of loaded too, I think. But um, no, it wasn't either. No, no, it really no. wasn't. I now uh, see what you mean by that. But no, it wasn't. <laughs> well, I think um, you know, it's, truly it's, an, inter- it is. it's an, an interesting thought because you know, do I? Um, well, um, meditating this morning was talking about um, intention mm-hmm. and attention. Uh, the intention is for the future. What am I intending to do? I'm in- intending to to, to help other people stay sober, help my kids. Um, and I'm also, uh, I have an intention on, on staying in this relationship with, with you and, uh, and progressing to the next Mm -hmm. stage and, um, and not having that outcome in my mind, but just having that intention of whatever it is, it's going to be good. Yeah. Um, and then where my attention needs to be is it needs to be on today and, and how I'm treating people and, and how I'm uh, pedaling in the right direction. Yeah, a mm-hmm. lot of good stuff going on. Uh, another one of those things is uh, dance with the one that brought me. 
Mm-hmm. You know, uh, <laughs> these recovery tools got me here. Yeah. And just because of, you know, I, somehow in the same way that I have this gift on looking at um, faces and names and remembering that, you know, a lot Incredible. of these little goofy mm-hmm. things stop into my mind, too, as far as being able to retain these little sayings, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, one that struck me real, real hard was that in the so these are all real simple things, and I will take credit for none of them. I've heard them other places and picked them up. I think I did invent one saying, and I can't remember what it was. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, I can't let the things that AA gave me get in the way of my AA life. You know, the, right. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't because that's the that's the thing where we start thinking we're okay. Right. I got and, all and the I stuff back. And I start replacing. Yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah, I like that. I mm-hmm. heard that someplace before, but it had been a long time. I'd forgotten that one about uh, getting back problems. I get my things back. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, real good Suddenly friend, we're okay. Real good friend of my at work is does the same thing, and he will freely admit it that once he's got his stuff back. Uh, Game on. Yeah. He, well, he's st- you know, and this guy's still sober, but he stopped. Mm. he's put down all his tools you know he's not doing anything anymore you know and best you know i'll take him as face value he's a good friend that he is doing that Mm -hmm. but he will freely say you know i got all my shit back yeah Uh, i guess just how much how much do you want how much juice do you want it really is that yeah if Mm -hmm. you're willing to settle you know and that's uh, another thing about the lineage and the people that i'm hanging around with that none of us you know all of us that do this thing it's another one I stole. This and here's from Mark Houston. He says, I smell more. Yeah. And I do. I continue <laughs> to smell more and mm-hmm. I keep on getting to have more, you know, and, and I know it ain't about collecting stuff. No. Uh, but I keep on having, mir- you know, my, my one little podcast I have out there is my miracle list and it keeps I on growing. I love that. Yeah. And it needs, you know, I need it. It's, it deserves an update today. Because mm-hmm. uh, as I said with yeah, Christopher's Chris podcast, mentioned, mentioned was that, that the, being able to do these podcasts, uh, you know, we've been out, I think, I've been losing track of time, but it's short of two months. It's six or seven weeks now that the, since I first broadcast the podcast, and I'm creeping up on a thousand listens. Right. Isn't that fantastic? And, and, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. How cool is that? And people coming up and talking to me and telling me about that they love the podcast or I'm getting feedback in places, you know. Right. So, as a matter uh, of fact, Jessica, my oldest daughter, talked to her today and she, um, listen to two of the podcasts and we had a nice conversation about that it's yeah, pretty cool stuff super cool i mean mm-hmm. who ever thought that uh that so that's what i mean about the more right mm-hmm. i just keep on keeping myself receptive uh working these tools that have come to me keep on being open uh, i like i visualize like peeking around the corner like a kid mm-hmm. about what's around the next yeah. corner it's exciting know? right and it is exciting mm-hmm. almost like kind of like so here's like a visual of like when you come in as a kid and you knew the Christmas tree was around in the other room, mm-hmm. but there's a wall and you got this anticipation of like peeking around that corner and you know that there's something, you don't know exactly what's around there, but you do know that there's something really good around there. And anticipation is almost as good as the actual achieving it, right? Right. So mm-hmm. you're like, that, that, that's, the way I, that's the way I look at a lot of things in life is like that, that, that anticipatory peek around the corner at the christmas tree on christmas morning right that you know you get the it's going to be around there and it's the same thing with that living in abundance rather mm-hmm. than scarcity because scarcity well yeah and when i look, then when you I look think at there's the future, a damn rabid dog around the corner right uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be attracting that fear yeah and the things that yeah absolutely if i'm if i'm thinking things are going to be okay they're probably going to be okay but when you were talking about christmas um you know, my childhood was pretty crazy. Uh, Dad was a, a raging alcoholic, and, and my mom was uh, totally addicted to being pissed off at, at him and everybody else. 
Um, and so there was a lot of chaos. And, and one of the things at Christmas, because they could never get like around to wrapping anything, our Christmas presents were just laid out. So we'd wake up in the morning and walk in, and there was a, a, a lot of stuff, um, but nothing was wrapped. So it was, everything was just laid out. So you, that anticipation of opening one gift at a time or something didn't happen. It was just like you walked into this, and it was fantastic, you know? But for a long time, I was like, man, they just couldn't get it together. Yeah. Um, but I look back on it now, and it was really, you know, it was some, it was some pretty cool mornings waking up and seeing the, the teddy bear and the, and the pink uh, sleeping bag and, you know, different toys, and it's all just, you know, bam, right yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, you, when you said about, like, unwrapping them one present at a time, that's that same kind of anticipation. You, you don't want to, I never did want to, like, open them up too fast. Oh, so it's right? crazy. That's uh, crazy talk. Yeah. <laughs> it was like getting to the end. Mm-hmm. And that's the same way I feel about a recovery thing. You know, if I thought there was a finish line out there, I would start going slower. Yeah. Because I don't want to get to the finish line, mm-hmm. even if it existed. I know it doesn't. But uh, that is one of the, I really do think that there's like, this is a limit. The book says that too. You know, this is, I barely scratched a limitless load that, uh, that will, uh, produce the rest of my life as long as I continue to mine it and give it all away. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, Very impressive. Yeah. I threw the one I'm out to the other day at work. It's just, just a list. It's just almost probably shouldn't even be on here, but it didn't <laughs> So I sit there and I talked about some things at the work and, uh, and a guy, we were having some issues and I, and I had to actually, I, I recognized because of this program that I had set this stuff in motion, right? And so I looked at the couple guys that are standing there. These are not people in AA, but the guy I was just talking about Mm-hmm. that has some recovery and he's right. not going currently but he sits across the aisle from me and so he remembers this stuff uh, and i said to him and i said you know and i looked up at these two people that are just totally clueless right and i said yeah you know what i did uh, i set in motion trains of circumstance uh that that caused me well darn it now i lost it <laughs> set in motion trains of circumstance that caused me misfortune i felt i didn't deserve mm, wow right <laughs> and, <laughs> and they're both looking at you they're like yeah. you know like uh-huh. is that dude a poet or a <laughs> <laughs> uh, no just the big book yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> i'm pretty open with it and i may have told him where i got that after a minute you know mm-hmm. and i could see like the, the the look on her eyes when you drop shit like that in somebody's lap because uh, i did i started something mm-hmm. that just like the boomerang that bill talks about right mm-hmm. it whooped around and it come and hit me and today at least i'm like got this deal where i could actually see that that's what's happened i'm not on the i'm not on the bottom of the victim pile anymore right yeah and, and i don't have to be ashamed this happened to me right God, <laughs> why does this shit always happen to me you know yeah. i said like, no man i now you know i didn't know when i lost that boomerang out there it was come around and hit me but uh mm-hmm. sure as hell did sure as hell did yeah Microphones are fun, aren't they? Especially yeah. once you get going. Uh, we'll have to continue to do some more. So uh, I, I steal this off of Steve Ranella is a guy that does hunting podcasts, and he is one of my favorite podcast guys. He just I just like the way his stuff is conversational, mm-hmm. uh, down home. Uh, you know, he his, he reminds me of this southern indiana hillbilly with the way he talks and all that <laughs> uh, so he always says you want to go around and uh got any concluders concluders yeah so we'll mm. close this thing up and i'll do a couple more commercials unless you got something else i'll obviously never yeah, no rush no i can always kind of feel when uh when uh, we've uh 
cresting towards the end. Yeah, there's, yeah. And as I more, could tell I some this, more stories, and you know, but really, I, I think I, I've said everything that I, I want to say. And in conclusion, um, um, yeah, I'm just not real good at that. I don't have, I don't, I don't can't think of anything that's gonna like be a big bang to go out with. Get a sponsor. Uh, work the steps. There you go. Okay, <laughs> get a sponsor. Work the steps. Meditate. Um, uh, and try to help other people. I mean, really, if I had anything, actually, that's what I would say. If I could only do one thing tomorrow, it'd be find someone to help. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if it's helping in with this, that's great. But Helping with the not... spirit is what I meant. I mean, I'm certainly, you know, I could probably help someone by opening a door or whatever. But really what gives me juice is helping someone grow spiritually grow spiritually whatever yeah, that absolutely. means if you can get yeah if you can mm-hmm. get into that well, yeah well, whatever that means uh definitely one i always beat that drum at you and i make sure that, that people understand when i say and grow spiritually i'm not talking about religion necessarily though if that is what works for a person that is fine we'll mm-hmm. take that too what i mean when i say grow spiritually is by this spirit that's inside of me uh continue to heal it set it free so that i can be that person that that the universe has made me to be i think we've all deserve all the juice we can get mm-hmm. and uh and and that's what really i think that's what our that's i think that's what our journey is truly you know i think this working on getting to be uh to have your spirit be as free as it could possibly be yeah Living for me i would say stand in your close, integrity mm-hmm. be closer authentic. to god right the soul's yep. journey for me is is to get closer to my higher power and you everybody can choose their own yep. Yeah, that's um, why this twelve-step stuff and this giving this around way to a sponsor, or sponsee, and, and passing along this message is so fulfilling because you are treating someone's spirit. Mm-hmm. You are directly doing that. Uh, not to mention, you know, you're like the perimeter. Uh, the, the, again, the collateral benefit that right. happens when you help this person mm-hmm. because their kids get helped and their parents get helped and their absolutely you know, yeah. their, their employer yeah. and everybody around them. So you know, you get to you get to play this part. This I like to say. Uh, you, know, you heard people say again, uh, a tool in the master's hand. I get to be that instrument. Mm-hmm. Uh, and man, there's just That's nothing cool. more fulfilling like that. that, uh, than, than that, that truly, that truly is my primary purpose today is to stay, to stay sober and help other people recover from whatever, whatever. I can help them recover from. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, my primary purpose does not limit itself to substance abuse, alcoholism, uh, that it is to help people recover that soul that's been lost, that spirit that I was just speaking about. Right. Show uh, us some love. That is where it's at. Mm-hmm. I was, we were talking last night. There's a piece of recovery that really hinged on meditation. There was a time when that was probably the most fulfilling thing I was doing. I could tell it had a bigger impact in my life than anything else I was doing. Hmm. I was sober, but I was growing through a meditation practice, and it was just really changing me. Yeah. Um, today it's my sponsorship. Mm-hmm. It is, and it's just carrying this message like these podcasts and doing this part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the things I do for my home group, the service stuff I do for that, you know, those things where I'm actually really participating in my recovery and have a direct impact on other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where I'm really getting, that's where my, that's, that's the cornerstone of my recovery today. Certainly my foundation. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So ten tail end of it almost be about me more than you. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, I do want these things to be conversational. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we can set up one microphone and I could just sit across the room. 
and lets somebody talk. Yeah, but, he uh, wants that. Right, we we yeah. can go to AA and hear a speaker. Yeah, in the monologue, the a speaker yeah. tapes on mm-hmm. on the radio or you know on on the internet. You know, you can you can listen to those uh, all you want to. I think this is mm-hmm. something a little bit unique of this interview style of uh, somebody telling their story. Well, it really helps me because I do get you know tongue tied or I can't remember the sequence of things and it's confusing to me and uh, so just like just the the conversation aspect. Got somebody of it else is, that. I can look at you and go, you're going to have to pick it up. I have no idea what I'm going to say next. Yeah. <laughs> I get more and more comfortable with it. I really, I, I really, I'm, in, I'm really enjoying it. Well, you're just a good talker. Yeah. yeah. I, can, I can talk pretty decent uh-huh. today. Uh, that's good. I will, I will accept that. Mm-hmm. It's a compliment. Uh, I had to say that wasn't me. That, that, that's, that's post-recovery. It's hard to believe. You know, you sit across the table from somebody or you're in a meeting and you look across the room and, and you see who they are today and then you hear parts of their story or their host story and it's just hard to believe it's the same person. Yeah, it is. It's mm-hmm. uh, it, there's a complete revolution. Yes. Uh, people mm-hmm. transform. Psychic change. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we will close it up. I'll do my little commercials. Uh, you know, these are non-paid commercials too. These are just people that's helping us out in the ways to get this message out. So don't 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 misunderstand what that is. Mm-hmm. I will hit uh, on that twelve-step spiritual recovery. James Christopher Cohn on Amazon. We will be starting a meeting. I don't know if you're listening to this, and it's, some of this will be dated time-wise. But on March the fourteenth in Louisville, Kentucky, at the Unity Church at seven thirty p.m. That's a Thursday night, March fourteenth. We will be having the inaugural meeting and plan to continue having them on Thursday nights and other meetings branching out from there. So once again on Amazon, uh, 12-step spiritual recovery, um, go to spiritualunderground.org for uh, show notes, pictures. Uh, you can also have links to the podcast on there. See ones that are coming up. I got like one, the, the, the ones that are loaded up and ready to play soon are, are on there also a contact me page there where you can send me an email um and the music that's accompanying the most recent podcast that uh, i've been getting a lot of good feedback on everybody seems to be liking it i like it too i I just hadn't uh hadn't really given a lot of thought i've had this stuff for a while actually i've had it in my phone on uh in the playlist and when somebody reminded me of it i looked and i guess it because it's well, I really don't know. I'm going to guess because it's independently produced music. It's somehow or another fell off during a during an update or a sync. Hmm. And so I had to get to get oh, it back okay. again. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. But I have it back again now. So you're hearing Darren Frank, a very beyond he is my grand sponsor. Uh another buddy of ours, uh Jesse, uh has helped him uh, helped him produce these uh produce this music that that you'll hear at the beginning and the end of these uh tapes and i'm trying to go those guys into recording some new stuff for me too and uh that'd be awesome yeah so that we can continue to uh, you know grow this homegrown thing and and, and put more of our flavor into it you mm-hmm. know we have a fantastic group of guys around me and i'm forever grateful for them i want them uh participating in my recovery in whatever manner i can squeeze out of them mm-hmm. so uh that is cool stuff uh we will sign off and uh if you're so inclined listen to that song it's going to follow up after this uh you're listening to dan's spiritual underground podcast peace out thanks baby
Yeah.